back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader, and today we are bringing you some of the latest in NFT, esports, and crypto news. Before we get started, though, a word about our sponsor, EMP.money. Jacob? Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, as always, this podcast is sponsored by EMP Money. EMP Money is a algorithmic, algorithmic staking protocol built on the Binance Smart Chain. They're doing wonderful stuff over there. Uh, we'll throw some links into the Theta and Twitch chat, but if you're on your laptop, you can just type emp.money and you'll go right there. They have a free academy for you, you to learn. Uh, go check them out. Appreciate the uh, shout out there, Jacob. And uh, thank you again to emp.money. Go check out everything they're doing over there. They've got a really cool community, great people behind their project as well. And especially with the Ethereum merge, which we will be talking about once again this week. Uh, it has officially started, so we'll be talking about that a little bit later today here on the podcast. Uh, but go check out EMP now. Go get in now before it's too late. Again, this is not official financial advice, but they got some cool stuff going on over there. Okay, starting off today, right away, we're talking about Tencent Games, a huge gaming company that is behind some of the largest titles in the uh, the gaming world, has acquired 49.9% stake in the holding company for Ubisoft. Very cool. Uh, whether or not I just pronounced or butchered the name Ubisoft is for, uh, you know, the individual to decide. At the end of the day, I said to Jacob... This is a very business-sounding business type transaction. To own 49.9, probably 99% of this company in an acquisition is pretty big because it signifies that they don't have complete majority ownership, but enough that is like, you know, they have a powerful role in the future yeah. of this company. This article goes into quite a few details as the, the how the actual logistics of the deal went. Um, so it looks like they purchased the 49.9% from Gilmot Brothers Limited, which is actually the holding company of Ubisoft, right? They also purchased 5% voting stake in that holding company. Yeah. Right. right? So the 49.9 is, you know, that's a, you know, that's a claim to revenue, but the voting shares um, basically says that Tencent has a say now in what the holding company of Ubisoft does. Right, you know they they own four and a half percent of Ubisoft outright, and now they have the option to raise that to nine point nine nine percent. So there's a lot of point nine nines in this deal, which means Ubisoft is really doesn't want to give majority ownership to Tencent, which you know uh, I would do the same. Um, Tencent's obviously a great investor to have, and it looks like they put in about three hundred million, but not much, not not too much will change with how Ubisoft operates, which is good. Ubisoft makes great games. It's just a power play at a at a higher level that any of us can comprehend. Too big brain, too big brain. Although the article does go into quite a good explanation, so folks, go check that out if you'd like. Up next, Doctor Disrespect slamming the Call of Duty developers for allegedly taking some uh, art from I think what is his own game so if I remember correctly Dr. Disrespect a while ago was like yo I'm dropping my own game studio yeah and so I think he's 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 slamming the Call of Duty devs for copying some art from I, I want to say it's probably from his game mm -hmm. and um I mean you know 
I don't want to say that, you know, Dr. Disrespect making a game that kind of, you know, is similar to Call of Duty and or is a shooter in general. Yeah. I feel like a lot of shooters tend to have overlapping art styles or oh, ideas yeah. or, you know, themes, right? So when it comes to specific pieces of art being like, yo, that's mine, it's like, how many games have I seen that have like uh like a helmet or like uh, the face of a skull in a helmet or like a cloaked hood or, you know, so all I want to say is, is like, yes, you can say your art is stolen in one, in one case, but on the other hand, having an FPS does bring certain themes and tropes to skins that many games have. But I mean, if it's just a complete rip, I get it. I I understand. Yeah. So, I'm not sure. Did you know that Dr. Disrespect actually used to be a, a level designer for Call of Duty? I didn't know that, but I do know that he had, you know, quite a bit of time playing the game. Yeah. So I guess he worked. He last worked in gaming at Sledgehammer Games, which, you know, Activision acquired or mm-hmm. yeah, Activision Blizzard acquired. Um, I saw somewhere that his game is an NFT game. Early I wouldn't testing, be surprised. Yeah. So early testing access is available via NFTs, which cost $50 each. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if, if it's going to be a blockchain game. You know, he's saying here, we're not backed by a AAA publisher with hundreds of millions. We don't have the luxury of going behind a curtain for two or three years. The game is taking a different response, is taking a different response with what we have to work with. And we're trying to make a unique approach with the community. I'm going to follow it. Uh, I I hope it's a good game because he's certainly entertaining and he'll be running tournaments. He'll be doing all of it. But COD is hard to displace, right? COD has acquired the niche of the the, the most casual game that grown men play. And that's the the easy shooter game that they can just log in and and play after work. True. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to take Call of Duty down. Call of Duty has like a, a ridiculous market share over that specific, just, you know, really simple game, but it, it's fun when you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, it's an easy shooter. Uh, whether or not that means that they're actually able to get headshots is another story, but it's, it's hard to displace COD, but at the end of the day, sure. You, you can shout out the angry giant, right? You can shout out and look up and be like, ah, oh, don't stomp all over my stuff, right? Or don't do this, don't do that. But the giant doesn't really have to care about what's below them unless they are sympathetic or empathetic to what they're going through. So, you know, stolen art, uh, I mean, unless they're going to go to court. And even in that case, it's a giant company versus you. So good luck. Good luck. Good luck. We'll see. Okay, this next article, look. I don't know anything about Nottingham Trent University. However, this article does do something really cool, which is, you know, we we have started to see over the past decade a rise of esport f- uh, creator focused spaces that focus on promotion of content creation, promotion of basically just you know uh, creativity in general, especially in regards to gaming, and so. Yeah. You know, this university, like many others, trying to invest in a way for keeping students occupied and interested in the future. Because if there's one thing that all schools want, it's money. And 
if they're not going to get that money if the, everyone needs a scholarship, so what do they do? they got to have people who want to pay. Well, you know, for the people who want to pay, you've got to have some resources available to you at your university that make me want to pay for that type of stuff. So they are opening this consecrator-focused multimillion-dollar facility that they are very excited to have to put out yeah. there the photo looks pretty cool like the it looks amazing it, it does I, I saw like a grand piano in the bottom right corner in one of the rooms yeah. there i was like what is going on yeah, i was like looks, I, you know, I think i think they may have rooms for like all types of different streamers right they've oh, got yeah. a piano i'm sure they've got video games right duh but it, you know it looks like a, a a ridiculous amount of rooms all soundproof and and you know, pushing content creation. They've got some, it looks like they've got a stage for an esports event in the, the back right. Looks like they've got a little movie theater. Maybe that's oh, a yeah. VR lounge. I mean, geez, this place looks awesome. It's decked out. So uh, yeah. maybe maybe we'll be going to attend Nottingham Trent University pretty, pretty soon here in the future. Check it out, folks. Check it out. It's pretty cool stuff. Just wanted to bring it up this week because, uh, you know, in terms of esports development in the world for universities, while it's advancing in popularity, the facilities that a university or college will have, they they differ greatly. Now, a lot of places have built out, you know, stadiums or labs, so to speak. And the most basic thing a university does these days to include esports is basically take a spare office or like a spare room that the university has. They put like 10 to 12 PCs in there and they're like, we have an esports lounge now. And it's like, okay, yes, your your lackluster attempt at attracting students who like to game uh, is, a, is, I guess, not as dull. But at the same time, you know, they go and purchase 10 to 12 Alienware, you know, hard you know, desktop computers. And they're like, yep, we have top of the line stuff. And it's like, well, actually... Yeah, maybe maybe not so much, you know. Uh, just because you have Alienware PCs for people to use doesn't mean that uh, they are necessarily top of the line. It's just that you have a brand that's catered to gaming, and they really uh, charge you on the price tag for the products that you're using. And oh, yeah. or if you're an educational institution, they might give you uh, like a you know a little bit off or something like that. But at the end of the day, you're just advertising their brand for free by using their products. So, I mean, hey, you know, when I was at DePaul, uh, HyperX would sponsor the game lab and and the esports teams and everything with all of their products, and it's like. Well, why would they do that? It's because anytime there were photos or anything like that, boom, HyperX was on everything, mm -hmm. everything. I mean, yeah. I'm using a HyperX keyboard from a giveaway that they just were giving giving away. Bro, it is a beautiful keyboard. Do not get me wrong. And I didn't have like a real PC for a long time. I held on to this keyboard for about a year and a half before I actually started using it. I don't awesome. regret. I don't regret a single thing. It is. It is beautiful. Mine. Uh, yeah. Mine lights up all like confetti colored and everything, and it, like it's all self programmable, right? Look, I'm talking about HyperX now. Okay, you, you, you get the point. This this is what they want to do. This is uh mm -hmm. this is what it's about. Okay, speaking of esports arenas, uh, I felt like you know if we're gonna talk about Nottingham Trent University. Why not also bring up India, which we recently talked about last week with the. Uh, how India was deciding to ban PUBG, but uh, looks like they're going to be opening their first esports arena at a university uh, in talks with probably opening some more at some other schools too.
this is yeah. not a bad idea. I mean, it's, it's if there's one place you you want to go for for gaming, funny enough, I guess it is colleges and universities. Even though um, you would think that that might be just a little bit distracting from educational studies. If there's one thing that colleges and universities need to do, it's build a sense of community. And how else can you do that than through, you know, gamers and stuff like that? I don't know what the general vibe of an Indian university is compared to the U.S., but I'll tell you this. Majority of the kids going to a college or university are not completely full-out gamers. A lot of the guys and girls, they may play games casually, but they're not competitive by any means. And so by having these eSport arenas, I'm going to be real. I don't know what type of drive or pull that they're going to have. Maybe it's different in India, but like yeah. eSports hype is eSports hype, but like it's not – you're not a college or a frat. It's not typical college Yeah, I know activities. mobile gaming is, is ginormous in India, and it looks like this is PC-based, and it, it may be – one of the first in India, right? They may be a little bit behind the U.S. Because even my college, I went to a, a tiny college in Boston. I, I heard, you know, they redid the dorms two years ago. And this year they put in a little gaming center in, in half of the dorms, which oh yeah, I wish I was there for. I would kill um, for that. I know, dude. It, it, I mean, they literally redid like four dorms the year that we all left. So uh, Such a shame. I don't know. But this article is interesting. It, it lists everything in uh, European currency. Uh, and I learned today that a FROR, a C-R-O-R-E, is 10 million, also equal to 100 locks. Oh, my gosh. So it, it looks like uh, Indian uh, money is, is a little bit confusing. But it sounds like they put a lot of money into this. Um, it sounds like India is is... Investing in esports, this company is really excited about what they're doing, um, and it'd be cool, right? You know, maybe we could have an, an international esports tournament at the college level, mm. right? Um, you know, if anyone's going to come together, it's it's the colleges because you know, they all know they're all struggling together, right? They're all uh, eating ramen noodles and playing video <laughs> games when they have time to do so. It's so. true. It's true. Hey, you know, it's that's at least the college experience here in America. So yeah i mean absolutely you know so we'll see we'll see okay this next topic i think is hilarious i think we, i've brought this up for like a tiktok uh more recently that we put out uh which you know let's let's take a moment to plug the east yeah. uh the zen sports tiktok uh, it's it's a lot of fun at zen sports super easy to find myself and jacob we put out uh smaller clips of the esports forever podcast and then we actually uh make uh daily TikToks as well, uh, covering NFL fantasy, NFL, uh, other sports topics as well as they come around, and then uh, general esports uh, e NFT and crypto news too. So we're all over uh, on TikTok, so go check us out, drop us a follow, uh, leave it's, comments, it's likes. Content. Yeah, it's organic content too, you know, so it's it's uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, we're having fun. No, no, one's, no one's paying us to do specific content. We're just having fun. We're doing yeah, our thing. Exactly we're doing our thing. Doing. Okay, but no. Also, no one's paying me to talk about this article either. I just, I just want to bring it up. Gamers and goats, goats and gamers, wanting for glory. The U.S. Navy searching for the next round of esports stars for the U.S. Navy esports team. The goats. Uh, I don't awesome, know. Man. I don't know if they are the greatest of all time, 
more so that their their logo is actually like a goat but they want the next wave of esports stars to join the u.s navy esports team so that they can then beat out the other esports teams of other divisions of the u.s armed forces that's what I, they want to do if they did an army versus navy war zone game that would be the most watched war zone game on twitch of, Probably. of the last year that, that would, would be, wild. be so awesome like actual people in the army actual people in the Navy who everyone knows how, you know, how much they're sacrificing for us. I think the amount of support that the gaming community would show these individuals and these groups would be unbelievable. You know, the amount of money they could raise for a fundraiser through the event. I mean, this would actually be so awesome for them to do. And you could do army versus Navy versus air force. And yeah, I'm going to guess that when, when the, uh, the Navy drops, they're going to land on the boats and the army is going to grab all the plane or the, the Air Force is going to grab all the planes. I mean, it would, it would be awesome to see, actually. I, I hope they do something like that. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to see, man. I, I'd, I'd love to see something like that. That'd be be a good time. It'd be a good time. So, yeah, this this is this is fun. Uh, they want gamer sailors, as the article says. Yeah. Uh, which is You know, I don't know funny. if people are – I don't know if uh, this is necessarily a recruitment tool. Oh. It may be. It, of course it is. The, of course yeah. this is a recruitment tool. The U.S. armed forces are not. Do not be naive, Jacob. This is complete, <laughs> this is a one hundred percent recruitment tool in order to instill individuals with abilities for gaming to sign up because, you know, uh, they need people in all different facets of life. You can't just get the most athletic like type of people to join up in a branch. It's like branches are more than just front lines. I mean. Frontlines combat is such an outdated form of combat oh, these yeah. days anyways that, you know, I'm not surprised to see people, you know, and, and fields turning towards, uh, you know, cyber-based jobs. Des yeah. You know, the, they, they don't call the Air Force the chair force for nothing. There are very few people that are actually flying in planes and stuff these yeah. days. Uh, you spend a lot of time sitting at your desk and, you know. And, and you know, eventually, right, there's going to be a lot of, stuff you know hopefully it's not used very much but weaponry is going to be controlled by someone behind the computer right and well you know, it already you, is who do you want controlling that weaponry do you want the best esports player in the world who has the best aim in the world yeah you probably do right you know these kids who are so good at gaming and you know understand how to look into a computer and and see depth the way that you know some people don't right it's valuable and and this could be a huge play for progressing the army in, in ways that are are going to come but we need the personnel to to really enact on the tech that we're building so it, it could be interesting i agree it could be, could be interesting but uh yes this is definitely a recruitment uh yeah you know uh i don't want to say sham but it's definitely like a come join and uh you know be, a, be on an esports team so Okay, speaking of shams, and uh, let's let's get into our NFT stuff. Business Insider. So you know this is going to be legit. And honestly, I think this 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 is undeserved to the person it, it happened to. This is like the last person that I would want this to happen to. Bill Murray. Hackers steal $185,000 from a Bill Murray NFT auction. What a shame. What a shame. Now, we, we know that... 
uh, you know, hackers and uh, and and scams are are always happening in the NFT community, because if there's one thing about being completely anonymous, it's that, you know, doing things in complete anonymity changes how people do, you know, anything in general, right? Yeah. You can get away. There's with some something. really good. There's a really nice thing though in the middle of this article. Yeah. So I guess the guy who came in second in the auction actually reimbursed the charity with $187,000 to cover the cost. Wow. That's pretty nice. It's crazy how, how like some of these crypto whales, they've got a lot of crypto. They've got enough crypto to send, uh, to reimburse a charity for their own mistake, right? You know, who knows whose mistake it was, but someone left the password somewhere. Someone on the team decided they didn't want to be a good faith actor. It'll be interesting to see if this, you know, if, if the hacker gets caught. Right. It, it looks like it doesn't give, doesn't allude that the hacker is going to be caught. I mean, I guess they fired, fired, filed a police complaint. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll come back to this and see if, if the hacker is caught. Yeah, we'll see. I remember hearing about this originally, and then it was like, oh, we'll bring this up. Why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? So, yeah. Yeah, could this be... has been all over, actually. I've seen this quite a bit. This, this may not be as cool as the Seth Green story, but, you know. That's probably my favorite bit of media that we've ever covered here on Esports Forever. <laughs> the Seth Green NFT NFT yeah. trials. Oh my goodness. That was too good. Watch, watch that show completely flop and he just spent $500,000 on one NFT. That, that, was, that was thank for him. Not only money. I feel like he's invested emotion and time into the fact that like yeah. he had that he's, stolen from him and then had to like beg to get it back from somebody he's else. He's kind of invested his reputation a little bit too. Oh, for right. sure. This has been really public. If this show flops, I mean, he's going to be a meme. I feel like he already is, but, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, I actually don't know too much about Seth Green. I know he's uh, he's behind, what is he behind, South Park? No, no, Robot well, Chicken. I told you I didn't know. Robot Chicken, and then I think he's the voice of Chris on Family Guy. Okay. So. Robot like he, Chicken, wow, that was a while ago. Yeah, it's still going. I, I don't watch Robot Chicken, but. Yeah, South Park is Matt Stone and um, can't remember uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Okay. There we go. Yep. But uh, okay. Uh, next. Speaking of TV, LG, major maker manufacturer of uh, smart TVs, bringing NFTs to said smart TVs. Uh, the the you know it's funny. Um, the URL for this is just. Uh, it's like, you know, LG bringing NFTs, smart TVs, and then Dash cryptocurrency. So they definitely got in all their big buzzwords there um, as they were building this article. Um, you know, it's a good clickbait title. Uh, kind of interesting to see what it was all about. And yeah. uh, buy, sell, and display NFTs on your TV. Now, I... Um, <laughs> let's see. NFT LG's NFT platform built on Hedera. Are you familiar with Hedera at all? I'm not, no. I'm not either. Um, operates on a blockchain. It uses a blockchain alternative called a hash graph. And I'm not aware of what that is either. Yeah. LG is one of the several corporations that serve as a governing member of the Hedera network. Wow. So this is not a open source software. Hash graph technology is currently patented. The only authorized leather is Hedera hash group. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I'm going to read all about this after this podcast. 
um, whatever a hash graph is. Yeah. I'm going to guess that these NFTs are basically backgrounds that when your TV is off, they show and you can kind of use your TV as both a, a frame for artwork as well as your TV. Interesting. You know, an on, on TV marketplace is cool. Uh, it's cool to see. You know, there's a lot of LGT, LGTVs out there, so. That's true. That's true. I mean, everything is connected these days via Wi-Fi anyway, so why not Why not have your TV displaying some art? Have you ever seen those uh, those picture frame TVs? This would be oh, perfect yeah. for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think they're called – I think they're from Samsung. Yeah. The Samsung uh, frame. I think they're just called yeah. the Samsung frame. Yeah, that, yeah. It's such a cool concept. They look amazing. They really do. I mean, it's yeah. pretty – pretty incredible they're so light too you can like hang them from string in uh, oh yeah studios yeah it's it's cool it's really cool it's crazy what they what they can do do now with like the the thinness of oh yeah at, right? at the big consumer electronic conference i guess it's the cec yeah a couple years back they had foldable tvs mm -hmm. i remember right that. tvs that you could roll into like a mat like a yoga mat crazy it's insane what they're able to do now it really is. But hey, that's what that's what's happening. You know what's also happening? Reddit NFT avatars selling like hotcakes on OpenSea. Now I we talked about how Reddit was incorporating crypto onto their platform and, and using karma as a way to pay for like gas fees. But this is this is uh an all time like okay, Reddit, what's going on? So Reddit NFT avatars selling for a premium on on OpenSea, and uh, let's see Reddit front the front page of the internet plugged into the burgeoning burgeoning world of NFTs with an announcement of collectible avatars, and so uh, the NFTs are currently available ranging from five dollars to forty nine bucks. And uh, as expected, the NFTs sold out very quickly and then were being resold for more than $50. And it looks like um, NFTs were sold on Polygon. Yeah. Or maybe, wait, yeah, I think uh, profile pictures are better, right? The, it, it's interesting because profile pictures are powerful. People care about that stuff. And Reddit is really a place where you can anonymously display your yourself and who you are and you know anonymously in a sense but you know people care about this stuff and i think the profile pictures are great i actually missed the profile picture wave i didn't think it was going to be what it was um but people care about expressing themselves it's important um i think reddit is i think i love reddit i've been going on reddit i you know reddit is a it's it's a good thing like it's going not on reddit, the platform for me stuff. i'm gonna be honest it's not i i find i learned so much on reddit like, you know, what? it's like either, am I going to go on Instagram or am I going to go on Reddit? I'll, you know, if I'm in a, you know, living a, a healthy, having a healthy day, I'm going on Reddit a hundred out of a hundred times because I feel like I'm learning stuff every time I go on Reddit. See, that's, that's interesting. I, I just think, I don't know. I, you know, I, when I was younger, I used to be on like gaming forums all the time and then all of them died. Forums just died because instant communication with like different chat uh, popular chat apps like discord skype stuff like that like they just rose and the discord has just become better and better discord now has forum creating functions in order to create threads similar to that of reddit facebook right 
in a way that puts information together better better than just an an endless text chat because like that's been the biggest problem for discord it's like well why don't i just go use a forum well why are you using a forum when you can go send a discord message to somebody right and so that's that's the day you know the dale question of like okay well which one do i want to use prioritize you know do yeah. i want to go to reddit to to have my comments on a certain topic and a thread stay there or do i prefer more instant communication knowing that like i can see when the other person's online i can see when they're typing to me and then they'll send me a message but then uh let's say i want to go back to a certain topic or thread from you know a year or two ago well on discord you've got to like pray that the like their search function will actually look up the thing you're looking for versus reddit where you know you're still going to have to go searching for but i feel like it's definitely going to be a little bit easier to look up a thread on reddit compared to trying to find a specific message in discord yeah i agree i think that's a good point okay i've left it near the near the end here because it is one of the better topics of today the ethereum merge has officially begun in about a week's time it's predicted that the merge will be completed and this this is this is a big big time for for the eth community you know this is what could determine the future of eth being you know seen as second to bitcoin or truly becoming equal status to btc i i'm i'm willing to go and say that this could set eth on a track to be of equal status now i'm not talking about equal worth i i don't think that eth is just overnight going to jump up to you know five digits worth of of worth it could but i think it's going to take a lot in order to do so and it's that that's going to be i mean that's going to be a lot of people trying to buy into eth if if they like this oh me uh, this new way of uh, doing transactions, right? Because they're switching yeah. from. I was trying to remember what it was. It was switching from um, proof proof of work to proof of stake. Okay. So they're Thank switching you. from a Bitcoin model to a uh, any other blockchain model. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, so Bitcoin so that's is pretty big. They came out so long ago. They're so outdated. Right, Bitcoin processes seven transactions per second. Ethereum processes processes eleven. Polygon processes ten thousand. Right, um, it's not comparable. But what Ethereum does have is they have so many nodes, and Bitcoin has this too, that there are so many nodes that it's going to be so hard for the network to be hacked. Right, Bitcoin may have more than a million nodes. Right, and all a node is is just a Raspberry Pi that downloads the Bitcoin software, and all those nodes do is they're like. You know, in the Matrix, right, where those uh, in the Matrix, they had those little bug looking creatures that detached the humans and, you know, fed, you know, I don't know what they did. Maybe they just turned them into batteries. I can't exactly remember. But that's yeah. what nodes are. They're the internal safeguarding mechanism to keep the blockchain in, in constant communication with one another. Um, and these these old blockchains have so many nodes. They're so decentralized. And that's that's a big value proposition for, for investors. Well said. Well said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as the merge goes, it's going to be interesting. Um, merge. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I've heard so much about it. I've you know, read into it. I hope, I hope ETH goes up. 
I hope ETH triples or doubles or quadruples. Um, but it could be priced in, so don't uh, don't go putting all your money on ETH. True. Uh, see how it plays out first. Once again, not official financial advice, so be weary. Do your own research. Be smart. Be smart. Speaking of being smart, Cointelegraph tells us that crypto assets are no longer a niche. What? You're telling me that it's no longer a niche to be like, yo, <laughs> I own 300 ETH in my wallet. Yeah, no, it's not as niche as it once used to be. And this article says that regulators need to catch up. I don't know if I agree with that, number one, being that crypto is supposed to be something that is not as centralized as, let's say, a, a main currency like U.S. dollars. Why do regulators have to catch up to to crypto assets? Well, I mean, that regulators, you know, are watching assets in general because they want to know if people are making money. And if there's money to be made, regulators and large governments, such as a central government like the United States, the IRS, more more importantly, right, uh, SEC, these, these big corporate, uh, not corporations, but these big branches uh, coming from the government that are like, Yo, are you making money and you're not giving us some? Ooh, that that's going to be a problem there, chief. Yeah. Uh you know, yes, regulators need to catch up though, uh not just for the sake of money being earned, but for consumer protection. I think that's really what it should be all about. Consumer mm -hmm. protections need to be updated and they need to be regulated. Because I mean, why is it acceptable that we just go well, Bill Murray was, you know, had a hundred hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars stolen from this NFT auction because someone messed up in a certain way. Why is there no regulatory commission of some kind to basically be like that's that shouldn't be happening to a consumer? I feel like we have a lot of safeguards in society today to help protect consumers. For example, the flight industry, right, in all around the world, including the United States. Flights have been have been getting canceled, delayed, changed, really almost sometimes at a moment's notice. And it, it's just more recently that the government, due to regulatory oversight, has actually put out an entire blog about the rights of travelers and passengers on flights with these commercial corporate airlines to be like, yo, these are your rights when you travel just to let you know that you like your due money. Your do this, your do notice, your do, you know, there's so many things that go into having protections for people when it comes to not just NFTs, but just any, you know, any, any other big thing in life, such as, such as traveling via plane. And so I could see the same thing happening when it comes to protecting people in the crypto space. But this is, this is a long lived tale of, do I give up my security for more um safety right or sorry it's uh it's a balance of i want to say safety and, and freedom risk, right well, so risk but it's usually freedom personal freedoms and safety do you yeah. want more freedom to do what you want but that means that everyone has more freedom to do what they want which means that it could make things riskier or do mm -hmm. you want to give up some of those freedoms for safety overall, but you are giving up some of your freedoms. So I would say that, you know, 
the the larger hand that a regulatory commission would have into crypto to try to you know keep things safe for people it does mean that there probably are restrictions it does mean that some in some type of way the anonymity that we are used to with crypto could not be as anonymous if you have regulators being like well so many people are buying crypto now we need a way to make sure that we can identify who has what which at the end of the day it's not really i don't think that's anyone's business but who knows where regulators will go you know someone's gonna have to make a choice at some point right when it comes to figuring out like how do you determine or assess crypto assets in a way that also takes into part that like they're highly volatile one second jacob you could have a million dollars in crypto and the next second it could go away but what if what if you're taxed every year based on what the assessment was of that year well then if if you are no longer worth a million dollars and it goes down and then now you need to pay taxes based on having a million dollars in crypto what do you do i mean you're kind of screwed like let's say let's say you've got a million dollars in crypto and then in the next year take a zero off you lose you know 10 times that value and now you've got a hundred thousand dollars but let's say the taxes are for the previous year and you're like, well, I've only got a hundred thousand now. And you know, they say, well, you did have a million. What happened? You're like, well, the market's volatile. And they're like, well, you have that money still. Right. And you're like, no, because I didn't sell. One, one clarifying point is you only pay taxes on, you know, you'll only pay taxes on crypto when you sell it. Right. You're not going to pay taxes on the value of your portfolio. Well, right? you pay taxes on the capital gains. Looking at this article, though, they're talking about I'm talking about crypto assets here. I'm not talking about the selling of crypto. Right. I mean, you're, you're right, though. You know, you, they're not taxing you currently on holding, which sounds sounds preposterous. Yeah. But here's the thing. I understand though. What you're saying. But here's the thing. You buy a house, you get taxed on buy, like having that property. Right. I mean, this this is a thing like. You know, there are taxes for things that you hold and buy, even though you purchase the home, you still have to pay towards certain things in order to have that home. And so, I mean, I don't know where they're going to go with this, but here's me just being like, why, why are you allowed to sit with a million dollars in crypto assets, but not get taxed on it? I think is what this article may be pointing to, which... You know, you can definitely argue in every direction you want. We could go for we could talk in circles all about, you know, whether or not it's just to tax on something that you haven't actually made money on. But then again, the way the money system in this country works and the way you're able to borrow is based on like worth and what you have in order to borrow money. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an economics major in any sort of form. But I have definitely heard some interesting conversations before on what it is to like, you know, how much is a is a company really worth, Jacob? Right. You know, and then ask yourself, well, is that worth based on what the company last sold for or is that for all of the business dealings that they've been doing? And so all of the money that that company now has after doing all of that business, I mean, you see where I'm going with this. I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of ambiguity, and yeah. crypto doesn't help that. No, it doesn't. But yeah. this article argues for regulators to catch up. I yeah, think and, and one thing I'll say is that the regulators know when it's time. 
they've been doing this for 100 years, right? What determines when crypto goes mainstream is when the regulators tell us that they're going to regulate it because that means that it's important enough to be viewed in the mainstream light of the, the government and the, the government's agencies that do this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This woman, Stephen Kate, does not decide when digital assets are mainstream, right? The, the IRS and the SEC and Joe Biden even decide that. Probably not Joe Biden. He's, he's got a... He's got other things, although being the president of a country, at times people do look towards you for larger topics like this. Uh, A lot of, you know, the economy, gas prices, stuff like that, they don't really have to do with the president. But the way that the media portrays the, the different forms of government and how like world economics work. They look towards the president to be like, okay, you're in charge of this, which yeah. is not always the truth, which is the sad part. Yeah, and Joe Biden's getting destroyed on Twitter by everybody with Twitter fingers because he tweeted about how gas prices have been going down for six months straight. Um, no, people are going to say what they want on Twitter. Um, it's, that's what it's for. It is an yeah. open forum for the most part. Andrew Tate being banned off of everything is the biggest <laughs> meme of this year by it's, far. That's crazy. Like, I mean, I used to. I understand the the misogynistic stuff he says is horrible. And there was a there was a leaked clip of him hitting a woman, which is not good. But I guess this woman came out and said Andrew Tate didn't hit me non consensually. We were doing this during sex, which is crazy. That you know, first of all, unbelievable that she backed him up on that. Props to her for opening up about that publicly. But, I mean, did, did Andrew Tate really get to the point that quickly where he's now a big enough social figure to ban from social media? It was like such a meteoric, meteoric rise. Crazy. It's, it's uh, I mean, if you're, uh, it's, it's hard to say, but a lot of people look towards that, and I think some go, oh, Thank goodness he's off the internet for safety reasons. But then I also go, actually, I don't know if that's the best thing in the world because if uh, large companies like that just get to start deciding who who gets to you know stay on these open platforms for you know talking and, and speaking, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. More power to the blockchain. It, it's correct. Very more power to the blockchain. Truly, uh, you know it's. We're not going to get too political here, but when it comes to and politics aside, when it comes down to it, you know, if if voices are being silenced and censored because of the sharing of certain ideas that maybe a larger company doesn't agree with, you know, that that goes to both sides. That isn't just a a conservative side of like rhetoric. Right. I feel like a great a really great example of this is. um a woman on TikTok that like was completely banned off of there, uh, that vegan teacher. So like two, like a year and a half to two years ago now, she was like one of the biggest personalities on TikTok. Not like Charlie D'Amelio. She was, she was a small time personality, but she had a cult following because she was so hateful of meat and meat eaters and people who, who like wanted to harm animals. That she had such this. Like she had such a reach with her with what she was doing, but she was like so mean and like mm-hmm. like it just wasn't good on the the type of personality that she had. 
and she was definitely more left-leaning than anyone you know i i've seen uh on the app more recently and she was banned she the, tiktok straight up was like you promote dangerous stuff on here and um we just don't agree with what you're doing so you're gone no one's messing with tiktok that's for sure no one's messing with the chinese sorry that's exactly. uh that's who that's, that's the who they're owned by so you know last i checked well no one's messing with the chinese government especially not someone who uh who, who doesn't eat meat well, exactly i don't know oh, if that yeah. really matters but uh <laughs> Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Great, great ending it off with that, Jacob. Thank you. Uh, big shout out to EMP.money once again. And thank you, Jacob, for, for hopping on. Uh, myself and Jacob, we've got to get back to it here at Zen Sports. But we've got some exciting developments coming up here. You know, as some of you know, we've been on a hiatus for the past month and a half for esports and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Jacob and I are, are both patiently waiting and eager for the reannouncement of esports, hopefully here in the future for Zen Sports. So we don't have any announcements yet, but keep an eye out. Uh, we definitely have some stuff coming up soon. Uh, you know, uh, Splinterlands folks, uh, keep, definitely keep an eye out. Uh, we are hopefully looking towards uh, you folks first here when when the time comes. Again, we don't have anything yet, but uh, hopefully we will have things very soon. So very soon. Stay tuned, un everybody. Until then, friends. Thank you so much for watching. We out.